Welcome to the Sexy Than a Squirrel podcast, the podcast that turns dog training on its tail with a whirlwind of fun and games that achieve real life results for you and your dog. Each episode is a treasure trove of inventive games-based training solutions supported by our Games Club, the ultimate dog training membership with a team of pro dog trainers helping you every step of the way 24-7. Think of us as your go-to squad of dog experts. I'm Lauren Langman, a top-level agility competitor. I've competed and won all over the world and at the largest show in the world, Crufts, with my superstar Blink. I'm a Sunday Times best-selling author, owner of one of the largest dog training facilities in the whole of the UK and a founder of the Sexy and a Squirrel Challenge, a challenge that has helped over 140,000 dog owners just like you to get real-life results. Our team consists of experts in scent work, detection, search and rescue, tracking, agility, obedience, heel work to music, the intricacies of why your dog does exactly what they do, naughty but nice, behavioural problems and so much more. We're here to help you be the very best dog owner that you can be for your dog. In our world, you'll become more mesmerising to your dog than the juicy, marinating steak on the counter or the mysterious smelly thing on the side of the road. Yes, you really can become even more tantalising than fox poo and even the local jogger. Our mission, we know how to make you the apple of your dog's eye by tapping into the transformational power of play and learning through games. Whether you're wrangling a bitey, sharky puppy or teaching an old dog new tricks, the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast is packed with creative strategies and supporting advice for you. Become the most thrilling part of your dog's world. Ready, set, play. Welcome to the Sexier Than a Squirrel podcast powered by the Games Club. Now, today I'm joined by the wonderful Amanda. She literally has a vast experience in so many different directions. And today we're talking sleep. And this is one mega topic, right, Amanda? Absolutely. It is probably the most important topic. And for whatever reason in the world of dog training, we never seem to talk about it. We just sort of make this assumption that everyone knows and understands. But how can you know what you don't know? <laughs> and that's mega, right? So, Let's start with the obvious question. How much sleep does a dog need on a day-to-day basis? Well, this is the interesting thing, right? Because uh, different species require different amounts of sleep. We usually say humans need eight hours of sleep. And for whatever reason, we tend to think our best buddy also needs about eight hours of sleep. But it's actually not the case. Dogs are really, really interesting. They actually require at least 50% of their daily time in sleep, but better off a little bit more. So think 12 to 16 hours for an adult dog. Puppies require a lot more. We're talking like 18 to 20 hours. And senior dogs also require a lot more. And it's really cool when you actually sort of tease it apart and understand why. Because this thing that we have up here, this brain, is a marvelous machine. It's absolutely incredible. But it processes things much, much faster than the rest of the body can keep up with it. So there are a lot of reasons why we need to have that sleep. With puppies, think learning. They're learning how to walk. They're learning how to sniff. They're learning how to poop. I mean, anyone who has a spaniel knows how traumatic the first few poops of a spaniel can be because it's an exciting experience. Oh, my gosh, I'm falling apart. I'd love to know what they're thinking. But either way, there's a lot going on. And that sleep stage or that sleep cycle, because it's a series of stages in sleep, are really, really important in helping them to process what happens during the day. I mean, that's mega. It's absolutely mega. Give me a comparison here. So how would that compare to some other species? I don't know. Give me a duck. Well, okay. So ducks are really interesting. And a lot of prey species, what we regard as prey species, thinking like ducks and rabbits and deer, and they actually sleep very differently because 
they have to be vigilant at all times because you never know when that predator is going to come along. And so they actually do something called micro sleep. So for a duck, if you watch a duck and it's sitting around in a pond, you'll notice that it, it sort of zones out. It's it, Its eyes will close kind of quickly, but they're actually capturing sleep. Take on the other side, um, an animal like a cheetah, for example, you know, what we call the apex predator at the top of the, the food chain there. They'll be on for short bursts to catch their dinner and do whatever they got to do. Then they spend a lot of time in that state of sleep. And why? Because in order to be able to outmaneuver and chase down or capture or be stealthy your dinner, you've got to have a lot of brain processing and you also have to have really good physical recovery. That's mega, like absolutely mega. So why do senior dogs, let's say, sleep so much? Like, what's that about? Well, okay, so I just actually got off a a phone call with my sister who has a a very, very senior French bulldog. And I love, I love senior dogs. I, you know, I had my wonderful salty dog with me for almost 14 years. And he taught me so much about this because I could watch him go through his crazy puppy stage, his adult adventure stage, and then in his senior years where all he wanted to do was sleep. And watching him, you think about the things these dogs experience in their lives. They really are hard on their body sometimes. And there's a lot of recovery that goes on, which each, each time they impact. I mean, you know this. I mean, you've, you, you, have, you have really, really high arousal working dogs and they need to have that recovery but as we age you know us and dogs we need more and more of that that recovery stage of sleep and there is actually a stage called stage three which is really important for reparation and recovery and so during that period of sleep that's when the body goes into all that repair work on the muscles and making sure that like your tendons are are repairing like sleep is really important for this we may not think about it but you know you get up in the morning and you know that you feel a little bit better and the reason why is because your body's being able to focus on fixing that and think about all those things in a dog's life their joints in particular they need to really focus on that repair stage so senior dogs need that rest so that they can get up and move again in the morning so would you almost say that sleep is a bit of a gift, right? It's a bit of a, a hidden gift that actually I'm listening here thinking, wow, this is like a real freebie gift of like great stuff, like a freebie gift to longevity, a freebie gift to like health and 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 all of those things that our dogs and probably their their learning and everything, right? Like sleep's sleep's gonna be important to all of this. It's it's to me, it's more than a gift. I mean, it it is a necessity. And I mean, we could go into all the research on sleep deprivation and and genetic anomalies because you know in the sciences we like to look at when things go wrong because it tells us how things work then but bottom line is um again speaking as a dog trainer that thing that we forget that is so important in our shaping of our dog's world and at puppies especially if they don't learn how to settle down and how to sleep they will never really learn because they can't amalgamate that information that they've learned during the day, unless they have that downtime to process it. Yeah, like actually beyond vital in dog training. And that's why for something like this podcast that is teaching people how to train their dogs and how to have better relationships with their dogs and how to, all the people at home who are listening are are going, I really want my dog to behave better in this scenario or that scenario, or I want to have a better relationship with my dog. Sleep really is vital. And what would you say to that for them? 
Oh, I, well, the, it's, I'm, I'm teaching puppy classes uh, in, in the next couple months. And um, the first thing that I will be going through on day one is teaching our puppies the vitality of boundary games and calmness, because that is your introduction into sleep. And puppies that know how to do this go a long way. I mean, heavy, heavy duty sports dogs, they, they at the end of a run, they can actually settle down, relax have a sleep and they're ready and fresh for the next run. Think about how you feel after a nap, right? You've had a really heavy day. You take that even a 10 minute power nap. It's amazing how refreshed you feel afterwards. Oh, it's mega, isn't it? It is really mega. So I suppose, you know, with Absolute Dogs and all the way we train and, and Games Club and, and everything else, Amanda, that we try and suggest that people help their dogs to know when to sleep and how to sleep and where to sleep and whatever else. Why do you think it's important that we help our puppies with where they sleep? And um, I know that a lot of people say, well, surely they just get to sleep wherever they sleep. Like, how does that work? Well, and this is an interesting one, too, um, because... We can't, we can't always, like, we try and set up a scenario for the, for the puppies. And it's really important that we start with this. But sometimes when we, for example, have a rescue dog, we can't always choose that space for them. So my philosophy on this is uh, with, with um, dogs that are, like, sometimes I foster some of the dogs in, in a group that I'm involved in here. I let them start by, by figuring out what, what the space is for them. And then I can massage them into the space that works for all of us. Because one thing I know that um, that I've experienced many times are people will say, my dog has to sleep here. And it will only, the dog doesn't know how to relax yet. It doesn't know how to go into that sleep. When we have puppies, this is the opportunity that we can mold them. You think about them like a piece of clay, which is the wonderful thing that we love about puppies, right? Because they're just, they're so are, um, able to learn. And we shape that. So this is where, for me, crate training, crate training, crate training, and crate training. Um, in disaster preparedness, which is another thing I'm involved with, number one thing I try and teach people is crate training. Get them that space, make it really comfortable for them, and go through boundary games. Boundary games is so applicable to crate games or playing, you know, teaching your dogs to go into crates or into, into any space. Cars as well, just to settle down. Um, vital, vital. I don't know if I answered your question there. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And crates, crates are a vital thing, I think, in modern day dog training. And I think that that a lot of people will see them as like removing like freedom or um, removing like a being a nice, like lucky dog and a happy dog. For me, crates, like you said, they, 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 they set us up for future. So they set us up for any future problems so that we can already have a solution. So um, disaster training, like you were just talking about. Uh, and equally, they do give the dogs a, a safe space to um, go and sleep. Um, why shouldn't we just let puppies choose where to sleep and when to sleep? <laughs> Anyone who's had a toddler <laughs> knows that they do not make good choices and puppies are no different. And they're like little magnets to the excitement. And so they need instruction. I mean, we, we're... As owners, we're not there to control them. We're there to guide them and help them make those good and important choices. And it starts with boundary games and crates. And um, crates or uh, containment, they're not a bad thing. What are we doing right now? I'm sitting in my house. This is containment. And, and where you are, you're in containment. Containment is a natural thing. And so um, I'm actually quite baffled um, about this idea of letting them run free. and to. Reality, I grew up in that world. My first dogs when I was a kid had free run of everything. 
So I got to see what went wrong there. You know, I had um, a Cocker Spaniel puppy. She at the top off of my mother's birthday cake. She was able to get onto any counter, any table because she had freedom to do so. Um, my um, my lovely working Cocker, whom I just absolutely adore, Harley. The only thing he's gotten into, and I've had him now for a year as of yesterday. Unbelievable how time flies. The only thing he managed to get was a roll of dental floss, which he gave back to me. But he hasn't destroyed anything. He doesn't because he doesn't have that opportunity and he doesn't rehearse the opportunity to get into anything because it's just not an option. But he has full reign in the backyard. You know, he runs like crazy there so he can get, you know, um, with me and he runs through games. So we play games like Catch Me If You Can and, and fun stuff like that. That's how we utilize our energy. You know, puppies will run until they're exhausted and then they'll end up, you know, ferociously biting you when you try and move them. But when we engage with them, and then we go through the process of, of of this is where our settling place is. This is where where we sleep. It makes life so much clearer for them. It's so much easier for them because they're not sitting there going, what do I do? Like squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. Instead, it's like, there's my bed. I'm going to go sl- uh, go settle down. And I know that, you know, in a couple of hours, I'm going to go out and play with mom again and we can play some fun games. And we make um, their choices just easier for them, right? Like we give, I, I remember thinking with Liza, she would have water fizzy water or flavored water and she'd be like mm, fizzy water or mm, flavored water but you've given her those choices and now she typically does make those choices which is is really nice now just going on from a point that you um said there i think the biggest thing is that we also need to pick appropriate games for them so one thing i love about the games club and i know that i'm going to love for the free event that we've got coming up in just a few days time so 24th and 25th of february if you haven't heard about it, guys, people that are listening, it is literally going to be insane. We will definitely be talking dog training. We will definitely be talking success stories. Um, and we'll definitely be talking all of uh, the, the brilliant games that can help your dog moving towards this. Uh, but I think it's also about picking the right games. Now, I was speak- speaking to an owner just a, about an hour ago, and she was basically saying, and I, I can give you her as a case study, really, Amanda. She was absolutely gorgeous, really lovely owner, has taken on a rescue dog, Cocker Spaniel, show dog, ex-show dog, and basically said, I'm tearing my hair out. Like, this dog won't go to sleep. This dog is a nightmare. Like, before I go to bed every night, we try and um, we try and do um, some games. And, and actually, uh, this dog is keeping me up hours, like hours. And they've only recently taken this dog on. He's, he's come in um, needing a home and probably with these behavioral problems beforehand, I would guess. So I think these are probably partially why he's been rehomed. Um, and she said he can bark and bark and bark and bark. And actually, it's causing her sleep deprivation because the end of the day if our dogs don't sleep that can have a negative impact on our sleep too right and then suddenly we're in a horrible space for for their learning tell me a bit more about that like how does that look because he's typical of an owner who's struggling with a dog who who doesn't sleep and that was a perfect I'm really glad you brought that up because um when you know before I'm talking about games here it is so critical to choose those games appropriately. And one of the biggest things, which I just absolutely love and has been the saving grace for my terrier, is dimmer switch work. So this is just, and what I love about dimmer switch work is it is so simple, like so incredibly simple. I mean, here it is, you know, I'm an academic. I've got this whole background in, in learning and memory and behavior and all this. And what I was struggling with my terrier when I came to Absolute Dogs, and the solution was so simple. It was like right here. And I never I overcomplicated the situation. And this is the beauty of game-based concept training. This is why I love Absolute Dogs. The solution, just walking. 
pace changes and walking, building that dimmer switch, just gradually helping that dog's brain, um, you know, work with those arousal levels. I could go into the neurobiology of that. That's another day. Lauren. (laughs) Just thinking here, and um, because I'm aware, Amanda, that some people that are listening are absolutely in games club. They've got the gear, they're all in, and they're ready. Some people have never heard about this before. So when you say dimmer switch, just clarify in really simple ways. Because I know there's a whole badge on dimmer switch, and I know there's a whole badge on engagement, disengagement. Like there's loads of words that some people who are out there having problems with their dog, pulling on lead, barking and waking them up at night. They're like, I don't care about, care about a freaking dimmer switch. I just want them to shut up at night. And I can hear them now. Like, what the hell is a dimmer switch? So how can you explain it in a really easy way for the person who's struggling at night? What are you on about dimmer switch? They just want to go to sleep. Okay. And- I, I, I have lived this and we're talking going from zero to 100 versus zero to 20 to 40 to 80 to 40 to 30. So in other words, that ability to ramp up and down the arousal levels, because if you think about it, if you've just run a marathon or you've just, you know, you've just come out of a sailing race, I'm a sailor. So that's a big thing for me. When I get home, what am I going to do? I am not going to bed. I am not. Think about Christmas, kids on Christmas, right? (laughs) Christmas morning, are they going to settle down right away? They might pass out because they're exhausted. They've gone from 100 down to zero. And the interesting thing about this is when a dog is unable to regulate their arousal levels like that, you get really bizarre behaviors. And one of the things that brought me here was I had a terrier. I had no idea we had a dimmer switch problem because he would go from zero to 100 with a startle response and an uninhibited bite, right? Brutal. And I had been through all kinds of people with all kinds of elaborate descriptions of what was going on. And the solution again was work in those intermediate levels. All I had to do was just get him to be able to adjust his arousal level. And guess what? Within three weeks, it was gone. I mean, what's cooler than that? (laughs) I mean, it is. It is magic, and yet it's nuts, isn't it, how tangible it is, how easy it to grasp is. And I think one of the biggest things that I want to do for Absolute Dogs here, and I'd love everyone who's listening to please share this podcast because every dog out there needs sleep. The more dogs you meet that have had adequate sleep and more appropriate sleep, it's going to be a better dog world for everyone. But the big thing is I want to be able to land it for the dog owner who doesn't really understand it at the level of, of dimmer switch. And I think this is really important that we that we tackle. You know what, dimmer switch might sound crazy, but that's just a name we've given it. All we're looking to do is help dogs to be able to go into a calm space because we've gradually moved in them into that space rather than like you said, Amanda, taking them straight out of a competition or a you take me straight after winning something like Crufts. There is no chance if I've just won that that I can go straight back home and go to bed. Like it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Like you, you absolutely need to work in all of the ranges and you need to get you up and down in all the ranges and you need to rehearse that. Yep. Free ever putting them in those situations, right? Absolutely. I've got to rehearse now. But yeah, carry on. Tell us a bit more there because that's bigger. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's interesting because when when you work with animals, horses in particular, there's always a cool down. After you work that horse, you cool them down, right? You walk them, you help bring them back down. It's a physical and it's a mental thing. Why did we never apply that to the to dogs? Because it is 100% relevant there. And as you said, it's exercising it. So it's one of those things that we need to we need to build them up to. We need to rehearse that because it's not something that you're going to be able to do overnight. So when you have that dog that keeps you up all night, we need to stop and take a look at what is going on. This dog is 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 
up on in orbit and cannot come back down again. And again, all these wonderful little things that you can do, um, fitness routines that can help to bring their whole body and their whole mind down to a state of sleep. Because when you know about sleep and sleep processes and sleep stages, we realize that there is a huge, huge effort in that bringing the body and mind down. That's physiological as we're falling asleep. So pre-sleep, what are we doing to help initiate that? We don't, right? And that's mega. I can tell you also, Amanda, exactly why we don't do the same with our dogs as we do with our horses is because horses have a performance aspect and horses have a monetary value and back, back, backing on it, I think, is, is it would be my guess. You're talking performance horses. This is not your typical um, owner who's going out for the hack. This is your owner who has a performance aspect in their career because I know for me, my dogs always get warmed up and cooled down mentally and physically. I know how important it is. However, I'm also a competitor. Would I do it as a typical dog owner? I don't know because I've always been a competitor since I can remember. Like I don't remember not competing. I literally live, breathe, eat, sleep competition. And so for me, that is what that's about, isn't it? It's about they understand they understand how it enhances performance. They understand how it enhances physical and mental well-being. They understand and they see the benefit, but I don't think the dog world sees that. No, no, and it decreases injury, right? You think about this, but again, all these processes, uh, but again, um, the mental process is to me the most massive. You know, we have, um, at least here in North America, this mindset of you get a dog and the dog sort of hangs out with you um, and learns by you. We put a lot of responsibility on those dogs. When you think about it, 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 we can ask, how fair is this? Really, we need to be their 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 guide, their leader in the sense of helping guide them into how to live in our world. I mean, um, the number of dogs you go out on a walk and these dogs are running free and they're actually not prepared for it. Um, We know the consequences of that. And then they come home and they pass out back to the whole dimmer switch thing. That is a recipe for behavior problems. As I mentioned with my terrier, right? Zero to 100 and then zero again. I mean, this is a life which is from here to here. What's the quality of life in between, right? And that's that's what we need to be thinking about is what are we doing on the in-between level here? Everyone loves to go and take our dogs and, and throw a ball and play fetch, sure. But we're going from here to here. What's happening in between? And I think that's really important. And just again, to land it, it might be that you take your dog out for a calm, loose leash walk and you get to the space where they have loose leash walked for five, 10 minutes. They physically warmed up. They've mentally warmed up. If their behavior is appropriate, they might get to go off lead. If their behavior is not appropriate, you might just turn around again and go back home again. If their behavior is appropriate, they're off leash. You might do some high energy activity. I typically don't throw balls because I'm paranoid about injury, but I might do some um, fast games around like barrels or finding things or going to look for search articles and items and some fast twitch work where I might ask them to do directionals. I then might pop them back on lead for a nice five, 10 minute stroll back. I might do some figure of eight. I might do a little bit of let, let them just do a bit of a sniffari and they can sniff on the way home. And it really would be exactly that. Now, I think dog and human sleep, different, same. Like, tell us a bit about it, Amanda. Well, this is a cool thing. Most of the research that's been done has been in humans, but there are a lot of parallels in, in terms of um, brain structure and brain function. And I, we're so fortunate to be living this day and age because when I was studying psychology and neurobiology, there was very little work done on dogs. 
But there's been this massive influx of research just in, since the year 2000, basically. You know, there's been funding, there's been interest, and there's even model work. There, we're actually learning from dogs how it applies to us, which is really cool. And it turns out that there are a lot of parallels. Dogs seem to go through the same stages of sleep as we do. And what's interesting is that um, their sleep cycles are actually they're, they're shorter, um, but they go through a similar process. And so you know, we we can glean so much from from those parallels. So yes, we can actually make those assumptions. The research is really supporting this um, this parallel between dogs and humans and there's our our ways of sleeping. It's very cool. Now, the other thing I think I see very often is your dog when they do the twitch and the bark. Tell me a little yeah. bit about that. I always think when I see Tokyo do that. I mean, he's he's the main one that I would say I see him do it a lot compared yeah. to the other. He's probably my most twitchy, barky, and you'll hear him, and you're like, oh, my, what's happening? Like some sort of convulsion going on, and then you look, and it's like Tokyo, and he's just sleeping. Um, but he's typically brave as well, actually, does it quite a lot, whereas I don't, I've never seen it in Blink, not once, not once, and I would guess why, but you tell us. You tell us a bit well, more. So it's kind of funny, you know, I when, you know, when I was a kid, when dogs were doing that, we always said, well, the dogs are dreaming, right? Well, there's still, we're still looking for information on that, because it, Turns out the primary dream state is actually what we call random, uh, called um, a rapid eye movement, uh, REM sleep. Um, and what's interesting about that stage of sleep is the body is actually, um, the musculature is decoupled. So animals don't actually meet, well, dogs and, and, and humans definitely don't move during REM stage sleep. So they're actually in the regenerative stage of sleep when they're going through that process. And it's still speculative as to actually what's really going on, but you know, is it testing the systems? What's, you know, what's actually happening there? But again, you think about it, when you're going through a regenerative process, movement actually is a very important thing. So it is kind of a, it is kind of an interesting um, uh, thing to be in. Um, I'm sure we've all heard about sleepwalking, right? Well, so you can imagine it's almost like sleepwalking without actually getting up. Because if we did sleepwalking during REM stage sleep, um, we'd be in big trouble. Because REM stage sleep is actually the same as an awakeness cycle. The brain waves are the same. And so we don't want to be acting out our dreams. Otherwise, it could be really problematic. But basically, on the whole, it sounds like a good thing. It doesn't sound like a bad yes. thing, right? Regenerative, no. we're happy. Now, my last question for you, melatonin. And actually, um, we've all heard of it in some capacity. Can that work for dogs? What does it do? Is it something we can consider for our dogs? Yay, nay. Well, this is something obviously you want to talk to your veterinarian about, but it turns out that dogs can suffer from similar sleep problems that humans do. And again, the parallel of those, um, you know, that science. Um, research is actually showing that melatonin can actually be very beneficial for those dogs who do have severe sleep issues. And again, this is not something you necessarily want to do yourself. Um, you may be able to get it over the counter, but I would always consult my veterinarian first. But the short answer to that is yes. But the caveat is you really want to talk to your vet about it. But if you have a dog with severe sleep issues, it's a conversation to have. Because again, we know how important that sleep is. And if your dog is not getting proper sleep, and it's not just the quantity of sleep, it's the quality of sleep. Um, you can have a dog that stays in sort of the first couple stages of sleep, but they never really get into that restorative sleep, which is hugely problematic. And that comes right back down to we can actually condition our dogs 
to understand a sleep space and to settle down and sleep. And that is probably the biggest gift we could ever give them. And we could ever give anyone, right? Like I remember my late nan and her saying to me, I had sleep deprivation. I've had it for 10 years. It's causing me like a mental mess. Like, and, and you know what? I think it's really important that we acknowledge not just our dog sleep, our own sleep, and actually that our dogs affect our sleep. And so for me, let's round up on, let's all grow calmness. Let's all make yes. calm part of our lifestyle with our dogs let's not um make it that like before i got into any of this i used to think that dog sports like i thought that our dogs had to live on the edge all the time and actually calm is very good for our dogs tokyo is a very calm dog blink has had to work towards being a calm dog but we're, we're getting there um and i would say that uh, there's lots of things we can do to support that both within the games club within the learning learning like this amanda there's a lot to take away right and you never stop learning Right. It's it, there's so much exciting stuff to learn and, to, you know, and, and and to play again, playing games. And those games do not have to be fast, high energy games, simple games, airplane game, <laughs> you know, all these great, simple games that are so portable, which is what I absolutely love. You're sitting there waiting for somebody. Guess what? We can play the parking game, you know? Yeah. Anyway, I could go on. <laughs> I, I love, love, love having you here. I love what we do with the Games Club, and I know you're a big part of that. And I know that we've got a lot more coming there that, that supports all of this learning. The cool thing, I think, though, Amanda, is, well, a few things to recap. One, we're understanding more about sleep. So, guys, if you're listening, please share this podcast. It's vital more people understand that you're going to meet happier, healthier dogs if people understand what we're working with. Two, come to the live event. It's RSVP right now. It's in a couple of days. Please be there, 24th, 25th of February. It's Games club live three if you haven't already jumped into the games club please jump into the games club if you're in the games club and you don't know how to use it and you're not necessarily using all your games please do a games club guru session they're free they're part of what you do we'll guide you around there amanda this has been wonderful so many points i know we could go on and on this is definitely like a week's talk for you so thank you so much for making it sort of grounded so people can handle it that's mega and, and all I can say is enrich your lives, play games. And thank <laughs> you so much for being here. Uh, literally, that was this episode of the Sexy in the Squirrel podcast. We will see you for the next episode. It's going to get even more tricksy. I'm not going to tell you too much more. Uh, and we'll see you all real soon. Bye.